Welcome to Humanity's Moment of Choice here on the Convergence Series on Voice America, a program brought to you by the Evolutionary Leaders at evolutionaryleaders.net, a project of the Source of Synergy Foundation. This is your Voice America host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. This feature in Humanity's Moment of Choice is Unitive Healing and Unitive Justice for One Humanity. And as part of our programming for International Peace Week, which runs from September 11th to the International Day of Peace, September 21st. In this program, Dr. Nina Meyerhoff, co-founder of One Humanity Institute of Hope, situated across from Auschwitz in Poland, and Dr. Elena Mustakova, co-founder of Unitive Justice and Global Security Thought Leaders Synergy Circle, and of the Foundation for Virtues and Social Health in Bulgaria, speak about their work creating social incubators in former Eastern Europe and worldwide, in which one can experience glimpses of a humanity learning to transcend limiting cultural mindsets and to find healing and unity. They each share how connecting to their inner essence and historical roots became the source of their lifelong commitment to global education and empowerment work based on a spiritual understanding of global processes. Dr. Meyerhoff is the founder also of the Education Synergy Circle, which has a subgroup dedicated to the One Humanity Institute work. And Dr. Mustakova is co-founder of the Unitive Justice and Global Security Synergy Circle along with such luminaries as Audrey Kitagawa, Jonathan Granoff, and Rian Eisler. Dr. Mustakova is also the author of the 2021 Silver Nautilus award-winning book, Global Unitive Healing, Integral Skills for Personal and Collective Transformation, published by the Light on Light Press, with a forward by Ken Wilbur and an afterword by Claudia Welsh, chair of the Institute of noetic sciences. So Dr. Meyerhoff and Dr. Mustakova will tell you more about themselves as they introduce their work and then go into their projects in depth. And you can see fuller bios for each of them at the Voice America show page where you just joined us for this program. So I'm joined in this introduction by the Reverend Deborah Moldau, director of the Evolutionary Leaders, who has a long-term familiarity with the One Humanity Institute and both of these synergy circles, which are areas of activist engagement of the evolutionary leaders community. The circles that have been bringing these programs to you here on Voice America since 2022. And we thank the nearly 100,000 listeners that we have had during that two year period. Deborah is also the co-editor with me and Dr. Robert Atkinson of the 2021 Gold Nautilus Award-winning book, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions, and Hope for the Future, on which this series is based. So let's have a few words of introduction from Reverend Deborah. Thank you so much, Kurt. First, I want to congratulate you on your groundbreaking work in bringing together so many visionaries and activists including members of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, such as our guests today, to align their efforts in synergy circles 
to work toward a shared vision in their diverse ways. This is a true pathway to peace. Dr. Nina Meyerhoff and Dr. Elena Mustakova are excellent examples of leaders who have long followed their inner calling to make the world a better place by empowering young people to realize their dreams. And let us note that these are women who are living demonstrations of how authentic feminine power can change the world one life at a time. Their stories are enlightening and their current work is an inspiration to us all. So I look forward to hearing from these two luminaries. Yeah, Deborah, thanks you so much. And let's go over right now to this discussion between Dr. Nina Meyerhoff and Dr. Elena Mustakova. They'll begin with some further comments about their own lives and work, and then center in on their specific initiatives, which, as you just said, Deborah, are so inspiring. So first, let us begin by telling you a little bit about ourselves. I am Dr. Nina Meyerhoff. I was in education. I ran 10 schools as an administrator, but I was never satisfied with what we were offering our young people. So I began an organization called Children of the Earth. And in 1990, when there was a summit for children or about children, I organized young people to become the voice of the children's rights movement. From there, I continued and continued until one day I came to understand how important it is to concretize all the new thinking that we have and create an understanding of how humanity can come together as one. And thus, the One Humanity Institute was formulated. And of course, you will learn more as we go along. Now, I would like to hand over to Elena Mustakova and let her introduce herself. Thank you so much, Nina. It's a real joy to be talking with you today. I feel that we have so much in common. Uh, I am an, also an evolutionary educator and psychologist, as well as a social scientist. And uh, really, in my life, I have come to realize I'm very much also a mystic. Um, because as I grew up in communist totalitarian Bulgaria, I was always trying to understand why do we betray ourselves? I was, of course, living in a system that was based on a network of informers and on very literal betraying of others and sending thousands and uh, actually hundreds of thousands of people to, to labor camps never to be seen again. But I wanted to understand in order to betray others, we first have to betray our own humanity. And so it was very important for me to understand this question, which took me to my PhD work in uh, the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. So this has then become the theme of my uh, past 35 years of professional work as uh, a professor of psychology for uh a tenured professor of psychology for over a decade, and then also as a clinician, and the whole time as an educator, 
committed to community development. I was always looking at where mindsets paralyze and block our relationships and where growth could happen across contexts. So, for example, in community development, while I was uh, uh, teaching psychology to uh, bachelor's and master's students, I noticed uh, that was in Georgia at the time, and I noticed that there was a large undocumented uh, community of Latino immigrants who were completely marginalized uh, from the rest of the city. So I developed courses for my graduate students to come with me and begin to work with these people. And it was a truly transformative experience for the students who really didn't expect what occurred. Um, A great learning curve for me, and it ended up in the Carter uh, Campus Community Award for... uh, best partnerships and so that award was a confirmation of the fact that which i had always really believed that advanced knowledge needs to it only becomes purposeful when it serves directly the needs of humanity and that has been my commitment on the one hand research on the realities of of consciousness and uh the evolution of consciousness, the evolution of critical moral consciousness, the evolution of unity consciousness and unity healing. But all of this very uh, complicated research was always for the purpose of translating it into changing mindsets and what it looks like on the ground. So in a way, I feel that we both have very common backgrounds and very much a shared commitment on the ground to make change and to work for unity because we have seen what disunity and betrayal can in fact and is doing and has done to humanity. Thank you very much, Elena. Uh, I feel like I didn't do myself justice as I listened to you share your bio, so perhaps I'll jump in and add a little bit more uh, I have a doctorate from the UMass also, so that was interesting. And I started Children of the Earth and Hearts Bend Facility, and I brought young people from all around the world for 35 years to discuss what are the pressing problems and what are the p- potential solutions. And then as that grew, we began to go to different countries and work together. I've worked in over a hundred countries, working with young people, giving them voice, sharing the issues, looking for skills that can be developed so they can make a difference. I have one young person who ran for president of his country, another young person who created 27 schools in the hills of Nepal, another youth who planted trees all throughout India, another youth who taught reading to girls in Afghanistan and Pakistan, and on and on and on. So just to show, we both share this deep, deep understanding that we must and everybody must begin to create a better world, that it is up to us to give our youth a different future and to be able to say that we care and that they care and that we all are a family of humankind. 
So now let me move a little further. Oh, I also wanted to add, I won many awards, and the most famous of them is the Mother Teresa Award. And now I have something from the White House also coming up, but it goes on and on. The awards are the kind of recognition we get because we are not in this for the financial support. So that is a good reflection when we know we're doing good work. So I wish to say both of us are involved in creating social incubators in former Eastern Europe and worldwide, in which one can experience glimpses of a humanity learning to transcend limiting cultural and historical mindsets and to find healing and unity as it grows into planetary consciousness. Elena, please tell us what you see we have in common. Thank you so much. Uh, Your story, your professional journey is truly compelling. And uh, while I am... uh, a couple decades behind in this process, I just wanted to clarify before I go to our uh, collaborative uh, and uh, very uh, uh, parallel projects and work that what you were doing in over a hundred countries around the world with children, I was trying to also do through scholarship. So in 2014, with a team of collaborators, I became the senior editor of a volume uh, titled Towards a Socially Responsible Psychology for a Global Era. And it was motivated by the same feeling that you expressed that the voices that really need to be heard, that are calling us to social responsibility, are not getting heard, not in education, not in psychological practice, not in social science, that we really need to think about how are we acting in a global era. So much of my scholarship was based on that orientation, and I received uh, several scholarly awards for that research. But now back to our current uh, very, uh, how shall I say, compatible and and, uh, parallel projects, both of us in the former Eastern Europe. Not only are they located uh, in places that still bear many of uh, the imprints of totalitarian regimes, but both of our projects are global in vision. And in much the same way that One Humanity Institute seeks to incubate a whole new orientation of young people to our collective future on the basis of the Auschwitz experience of the horrors of history, The Foundation for Virtues and Social Health, which I founded in Bulgaria, seeks to engage young people in systemic thinking and understanding of the unsustainability of still prevalent mindsets and worldviews that are the legacy of social systems of domination. And I seek to help young people become agents of a cultural upshift to collective maturity. Because it is clear to me that many of us seemingly functional adults have actually not yet attained mature 
understanding. We have not evolved in our understanding to a mature understanding of what is happening with our planet, what is happening with our societies, and how we are actually very much a part of these processes with our choices. Thank so, you. Yeah, sorry. Um, I have, no, that's fine. I have uh, two concurrent projects. One is the Bulgarian Social Incubator, and the other one is the Global Social Incubator, and they're quite connected as they are for you. Um, and so maybe when you think the time is right, I can speak more about the Bulgarian Social Incubator first and then the global one. That would be perfect. Thank you. And so listening to you, it warms my heart because I begin to think about what I just finished and just working with young Ukrainians who come from the war zone and the Polish youth. And I see that the Eastern European young people have not been exposed to the kind of freedom of thinking and creativity that we have. And I think it's so important that we begin to work with these young people, because what I saw just even this week, that there are many that are old souls who have deep understanding of what has been and what can be. And so both of us are looking to help these young ones move forward into a world that gives them the emotional, mental freedom to be who they are and to create worlds that work for not only themselves, but for all people. And it's so important. And justice and healing and unity are, are sort of bywords of this work, but together we can make a difference. And I do not know many uh, social leaders in Eastern Europe that carry this understanding. So I am very grateful to Elena for all her work and what she's focused on, because we need you. We need an uprising of feeling that every human being is important in the world. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, Elena, we come to talk about our projects. Uh, I would like you to begin to describe what is your project. Thank you, Nina. I was so moved by uh, the words you shared about your just very recent experience now with Polish and Ukrainian youth that I'd like to really start there. So grateful that another global uh, servant, because you are truly a global servant and a global educator, has discerned the remarkable capacity of uh, East European youth. In a way, just like you said, they haven't been exposed to concepts of uh, of freedom and, and real social development and socially developed thinking, but they are so pure-hearted, so intelligent, so curious, so wanting to make a better world. In a way, they are probably the readiest population 
that I at least have encountered. And it sounds like that uh, was also your experience as well. And so uh, that's the context of my uh, initiative around the Bulgarian Social Incubator. I just want to give a little bit of background here. The Bulgarian communist totalitarian regime was by far the closest ally of the Soviet regime. And it encouraged and enforced a disengaged social attitude in citizens and a focus on getting by. And of course, you've seen that in Poland and Ukraine and everywhere else. But I must say it was to a much higher and deeper degree and still is in Bulgaria. So this totalitarian regime modeled hostility and distrust in social spaces and clever and creative methods of deceit, cronyism, nepotism, and financial misappropriation of public funds. So the social culture that was created after 50 years of totalitarianism has been characterized by disempowerment, cynicism, negative mindsets, lack of social responsibility, and mindless abuse of public resources. And then in the past 33 years since the fall of the Berlin Wall, Soviet trolls continued to undermine mass movements towards democracy, to sow disunity and to discourage and sabotage genuine constructive change. I'm sure that's happening throughout former Eastern Europe, but the magnitude of it in Bulgaria is of a whole different order. So it just that's important as a context so that people, our listeners, can really appreciate both the challenges and the opportunities that are enormous here. And of course, this is in parallel to um, comparable ways in which financial lobbies and corporate power in the U.S. also subvert democracy and foster unsustainable consumerism. But I guess it's less visible and we less appreciate the extent to which we uh, in the West and in the U.S. also don't have truly democracies. But anyways, back to uh, Bulgaria. After 33 years of mostly corrupt and mafia-ridden post-communist governments, the dominant climate in Bulgaria is disillusionment with the possibility of true democracy. And one can feel it in the streets because people throw trash on the ground and youth wreck nice new public equipment in utter disregard for social space. That's the intensity of the residue. Nonetheless, there are many and rapidly growing initiatives, mostly led by young people, often supported by EU funding, that focus on specific, smaller, and more manageable issues. For example, what I've seen is planting trees in areas of heavy industrial pollution, restoring the cultural legacy of small towns, cleaning up rivers, conservation projects, etc. What I see still lacking and much needed in Bulgaria, and I suspect from what you just shared that that's true across the former Eastern Europe, is a systemic thinking and understanding of the nature of our times of the deep roots of our planetary crisis and of the paradigm shift that humanity is on the brink of. And that's exactly the focus of the Foundation for Virtues of Social Health, to develop such systemic understanding uh, through public education. And so uh, I will just say a little bit more and pause here 
Uh, I will say that most citizens and people I speak with, of course, want to see positive change in their country. And some even think about the world beyond. Although, let it be clear, in former Eastern Europe, insular attitudes still prevail and were very much fostered. But most people feel that in order to make a difference at scale, they have neither the money nor the influence nor the connections to do so. So the focus of my educational initiatives is to help understand that the state of things is a consequence and an expression of our mindsets and that change begins there in the psychological and cultural beliefs. It is also not understood that patterns of conscious full-spectrum response in any context, large or small, are in fact fractals of large-scale transformation. So even where there are efforts to address particular social problems, uh, it is not common for people to discuss universal values because that's (laughs) seen as idealism and dismissed as idealism. And also because, and I'm sure that's also true in Ukraine and Poland, central universal values such as human dignity, equity, compassion were so abused by the common totalitarian rhetoric that now they literally have to be cleaned up and deconstructed and reconstructed so that these values can be infused with authentic meaning and can be trusted and embraced again. I remember the time when I grew up around slogans for world change and universal brotherhood that were routinely used by the totalitarian regime to mask abuse. And that resulted in the insular attitudes of distrust for any large-scale thinking that we are dealing with today. So, Nina, please step forward. I Okay, thank you very much. It's interesting to hear you speak. And I have a little different perspective about the cultures. I believe we are all the same internally. We're one humanity, that we all have hearts, we all have minds, we all have dreams and desires, and then we have our identities. And our identities are often formed by our families and the culture at hand. And so thus, to first look at who are we, what is our personal purpose in life, How do we find our place in the world? How do we become a valuable human being when we have a soul understanding of who we are and what we want to do? And so my work, at least, has been for the last 35 years or so out in the field doing peacemaking, giving opportunity to discover oneself to understand that culture is formed by humans and that education, we can begin to change culture as we perceive we want to move forward. And that if each human being takes a moment and begins to explore who am I, they can really direct themselves and begin to feel valuable. And in that valuable 
state of being, you can begin to understand what it is you want to do in the world. And not only that, how you can serve the world. And that is the most important thing is that we become generous with ourselves to others. So as I've been doing this work all around the world, I got invited once to uh, Auschwitz by a group of women and a filmmaker, and we visited. And all of a sudden, I began to realize that all my peace work had been as a result of visiting Auschwitz and knowing my lineage and seeing the place where my ancestors had been exterminated. I found names of 20 people. And my mama, who always told me, her mother was gassed on the day I was born, allowed me to remember that it's so important to connect who you are with your history. And I'm assuming that's partially why Elena goes back to Eastern Europe to work with this group, you know, that we must begin where who we are and carry that forward. But of course, Auschwitz is the greatest horror, visual horror there is on our planet because it was preserved. And it was preserved to show the systematic extermination of a whole culture, a whole ethnic group, and others. It was terrible. And for us, the dream became, can we create something side by side that transforms horror into hope and the potential of all the solutions that we believe in. And to bring people, there are over 2 million people that visit Auschwitz yearly as a tourist visit, walking through that and then getting on a bus and going away. But I know that... You cannot leave that facility without becoming somewhat shattered internally because what you see is so terrible. But what if they were to walk across the street and there were buildings and groups of people who are working towards what we believe and building a world that works for everyone? Imagine. And so imagine a museum that gives you the opportunity to think and digest what are the most beautiful things in the world occurring on the planet now? What are the organizations working together to build a land that gives us peace, that deals with the climate crisis, that deals with poverty, that deals with gender issues? everything and allows the individual to begin to think, how can I contribute to this? What is the difference I can make here on planet Earth? Because it's our planet and we are born to be more than just consumers. We are born to help hold the beauty of what can occur here. And it's up to each one of us to do that. So we started this project called One Humanity Institute and identified 12 buildings that were former Nazi barracks. Can you imagine? But 
the Polish government right now is in charge of that place. And we've been in constant dialogue with them. And I would say that we have several tasks to accomplish before they would really consider giving us this facility. And I understand them perfectly because it is momentous. And for us to take that over and work with other people, we must have the trust of the Polish government, the Israeli government, the German government, and the people within. So what we now have, which is also incredible, having met a fantastic man in Israel who inherited his grandparents' house in Oswichen. Oswichen is the town of Auschwitz. Auschwitz is only the German name for the town. And in the town, which has a, a thriving, living group of people who really care about their lives in addition, we inherited a house that's in disrepair, and then we received a house next door, and now we have another building. So we are developing a campus there. But to begin with, what happened is myself and a group of people, when the Ukrainian war opened up, went to the border and experienced that despair, so quickly went back and discuss, could we make a house of hope for Ukrainians? And we raised money through GoFundMe, refitted the house with nine apartments, and had our Ukrainian guests live there. The, there are a few left there, and they'll be on their way soon. And we are now beginning to turn it into a youth retreat us innovation hub so that we can do the work that we originally planned. And this last one, usually we've done Zoom uh, meetings from the House of Hope, but now we're really bringing in the students and beginning the process. And it was a wonderful process, seeding the hope of the future. We planted a peace pole that has eight languages on it. So imagine you also say, may there be peace in Ukraine, May there be peace in Germany. May there be peace in Russia, claiming all the countries of the world for us to have peace in. So they are beginning to understand that we must work together to bring peace to the world. And that's what our aim is, not only peace, but self-evolution to make a difference with your life, to be a person of stature, to care. And somehow we believe those that feel disenfranchised, that is where the anger is. So how to bring them into the circle of caring and love. And that's the work of One Humanity Institute. So I share that. And now I ask Elena, please talk some more about your projects. Well, Nina, it is so compelling and so inspirational to listen to you 
to understand more fully the magnitude of the vision of what you are seeding right now. And I really couldn't agree with you more. I really don't think we have a different perspective like you. I also am moved by this deep sense of our oneness and the fact that we only become divided when we become disconnected from our souls. That's when mindsets, cultural conditioning, and attitudes take over. But unfortunately, we also live in a reality where um, there is a massive systemic disconnect from our souls, from our true reality. And that disconnect is also intentionally cultivated by consumerism, by materialism, and uh, also by uh, a military-industrial com complex. And so there are powerful counterforces. And I, I, I don't think they're more powerful than the forces that you just spoke about. But in my work, I try to acknowledge these counterforces, perhaps because as a psychologist, I have seen over uh, three and a half decades of clinical work how much these things have a grip on our narratives. And uh, I also am looking at a culture, uh, which is old Bulgarian culture, which is so deep, so old. It goes back to uh, many thousands of, at least until uh, 7000 BC, it now appears that it goes back further back. Um, so it's a very ancient, very soulful culture. People are loving and connected. But I also see the impact of this cultural conditioning and the counterforces that I just mentioned. And so in my project, I am trying to work with both. Um, essentially, and I agree with you that when you're working with young people, it is uh, it is much more natural and direct to connect to their souls, to their sense of who they are inside as one humanity and to go from there. And I think that's where the power is. And I also know that we have to work with structures and social institutions, which is why it's so amazing that you are building uh, this... Uh, relationships with governments as an ally, patiently building relationships with governments of Poland and uh, Germany, etc., as you mentioned. Uh, in On a, a smaller scale, I am doing something very similar. Uh, this aim to uh, facilitate a cultural upshift requires multi-directional interventions. And so we are developing here programs and partnerships with various youth initiatives and organizations, of which there are a few. And so I uh, envision this initiative here as a hub that really connects the dots between uh, all these various movements and initiatives that already exist, but that don't necessarily still see the big picture and are not united. So we're trying to create programs and partnerships with youth initiatives and organizations, as I said. Uh, and these partnerships are informed by processes of healing and unity that were described in detail in my recent award-winning book, Global Unitive Healing. Um, and these processes of healing and unity are so parallel to what you spoke about that I'm not even going to uh, repeat them, except to say that 
my book and my approach also starts with listening inward, listening to who we truly are beyond our social identities and conditioning, and also connecting to our historical roots. And that is very, very powerful work. I We're think also I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to jump in and say, I think it's very interesting and very necessary to know exactly where you stand, what is occurring externally, and that the times are dark. But with that, it gives opportunity for people to see what is it that they really want in life? How do they want to live? And what are structures that they can build that can represent that? Because as it gets harder, you feel more oppressed. And the more oppressed you feel, the more you become clear inside yourself, what is it you want? And if we can create those opportunities together to open the door to the fresh air to give the opportunity to understand that each and every human being can make that different to build a building that is lighted, that gives them the hope for living a better life and all of people on this planet. You know, I, I so appreciate what you just said, and I'm glad you can also see that it begins with people really understanding what they're living, what's happening in the world. Right. And it is my impression that, I, I think it's not just my impression, that uh, media is generally working in the opposite direction. It is not only not helping understand the genuine historical and, and uh, planetary processes, but it's really obscuring them with uh, um, very uh, small-minded sensationalism. And so one of the things I am doing here in Bulgaria is developing relationships with the media, as well as universities, which are also working within the old paradigm, in order to reach all these uh, forms of influence that are shaping the reality that people do not understand what is happening. And when you don't understand what is happening, how can you then develop the vision of the alternative that's possible. So it kind of works on, on both levels. And it's particularly tricky because we are literally next door to Russia's war on Ukraine. Next door. And uh, we are very much under that kind of influence here. But uh, the abundance of youth energy here has to be directed towards building what has historically been lacking in this part of the world, which is economic, environmental, juridical, and democratic justice. And here I just want to say a few words. This is not the focus of our program today, but uh, the global extension of, of this local work, which I think of as a global social incubator, is the Unity of Justice and Global Security Synergy Circle of the Source of Synergy Foundation, which I helped co-found a couple years ago. And that is a hub which explores approaches to helping people understand more deeply the interdependence between justice and unity as global organizing principles in a planetary age which of course is what uh, um, actually unites our work as well. We're both working to help people understand 
the interdependence between justice and unity. Although this level of principle thinking is lacking in social spaces, people do not understand that actually the organizing principles of our age that are going to rescue humanity are these principles of justice and unity as they're brought to speak to each other, that there can be, and what do I mean by that? I mean that there can be no true justice where there is not a feeling of oneness and unity. The kind of justice we have is punitive justice. It's not really justice. But as we develop unity and sense of oneness through initiatives like your beautiful seating work and many others, we are becoming more capable of creating juster systems, juster entities, juster processes. And of course, vice versa, there can be no unity where the need for justice is not acknowledged. So that's where the Synergy Circle does a little bit more of the macro conceptual work uh, in terms of the global transition from systems of domination, exploitation, and extraction to systems of collaboration and regeneration, uh, which has to be transformed on every level, from families to local Mm. communities to nations, and of course, to global issues. And so I'll pause here um, because we have said a lot and we don't want to overwhelm our audience. It feels to me like this is a conversation that could go on for hours between you and me because uh, of a lifetime for each of us of really trying to live this out, not just in theory, but how does it actually work on the ground? So thank you. Thank you, Elena. And together we hold the torch, pioneering the new thinking, working to uh, end the old and believing in justice and peace on earth for all. And we'll do whatever we can. And I want to say to the audience before we leave that when you feel that sense of duty to make a difference on our planet, to stand for something Life becomes a miracle. It is really worth living when you bother to take that step into the future. And ah, that was so beautiful. So beautiful, Nina. Life becomes a miracle when mm. you feel that sense of duty. And I would just say also that sense of urgency urgency to give all that you can then life really becomes a miracle and thank you for holding the torch thank you for this beautiful conversation and now we are going to uh, go back to the studio for a message from voice america well thank you so much dr nina meyerhoff and dr elena mustakova and thank you for preparing this special program with us as a part of the international peace week We're going to be joined again in just a moment by the Reverend Deborah Moldau, Director of the Evolutionary Leaders, to comment once again on your presentation, which we've been so grateful to have. And what could be more fitting at this time than to hear again, just for a moment, about the message in the Nautilus Award-winning book that inspired this series from the Evolutionary Leaders on Voice America, the book, Our Moment of Choice, evolutionary visions, and hope for the future. Where Deborah and I were among the co-editors, 
and Nina wrote her chapter on authentic education to awaken, elevate, and evolve consciousness. And of course, soon after, Elena began her book project with us at the Light on Light Press, which produced Global Unitive Healing, Integral Skills for Personal and Collective Transformation, which also went on to win a Nautilus Award. So let's go over for a moment and hear this message about our moment of choice from its publisher, Beyond Words, Simon & Schuster. Hello, this is Richard Cohn, publisher of Beyond Words. We are very honored to be partnering with Simon & Schuster and the Synergy Foundation to bring you a new thought-provoking book for these challenging times. It is called Our Moment of Choice, and it features 43 of the world's most well-known spiritual thinkers, offering practical solutions to the most pressing problems of our time, from economic inequality and social injustice to climate change and spiritual disconnection. Deepak Chopra offers his thoughts on how our inherent wholeness is not a choice, while Greg Braden suggests that we can change our world by first realizing that none of us are separate from each other. Lynn McTaggart investigates the link between altruism and self-healing. Michael Bernard Beckwith, Bruce Lipton, and many others share their thoughts on moving forward in ways that expand our consciousness and benefit the global community. Our moment of choice calls on us all to be the co-creators of a just, unified, peaceful, and thriving world. The time has come for all humanity to be united in purpose. This is our call to action. This is our collective moment of choice upon which our future depends. You can purchase your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Beyond Words, or your local independent bookstore. Welcome back to Humanity's Moment of Choice here on the Convergence Series on Voice America. This is your Voice America host, Dr. Kurt Johnson, and I'm here again with the Reverend Deborah Moldau, the Director of the Evolutionary Leader Circle, with which all of these activities are associated. So, Deborah, it was good to hear again just now these details about the award-winning book that you and I were both a part of, along with our guest, Dr. Nina Meyerhoff, who wrote about authentic education to awaken, elevate, and evolve consciousness. Indeed, our moment of choice, evolutionary visions and hope for the future, is an exact way to describe what we've just heard from Nina and Elena. So, Deborah, give me your reflections on these important projects, which you've been familiar with for some time, but which have been so eloquently updated here by our colleagues, Dr. Nina Meyerhoff and Dr. Elena Mustakova. Indeed, they have. I just loved hearing the generous give and take between Dr. Meyerhoff and Dr. Mustakova. I know Nina Meyerhoff for many years now, since we met among the NGO community at the United Nations, where she was 
well-respected for bringing young people from around the world to learn about peace. I'm new to Dr. Elena Mustakova's work, but I'm so impressed by her mission to teach dissolution youth about universal values as a path to social, environmental, and political regeneration. Where would all of these young adults get such opportunities if not from our illustrious speakers and their years of dedicated work. Hats off to both of them. And, and I want to thank them both for their pioneering efforts, particularly in the transformation of the region of Eastern Europe. They are each demonstrating how change is possible. With Dr. Mustakova leading young people from the limited thinking that was encouraged during the totalitarian regime that previously paralyzed her country of Bulgaria, and, and Dr. Meyerhoff working to offer hope and healing on the site of the atrocities committed in Auschwitz during the Second World War. These dynamic, powerful, and unstoppable women are showing how we can all join forces to co-create a different kind of world one of mutual respect and opportunity for every child who dares to dream of a thriving future for all. They are both shining a brilliant light on unitive healing and unitive justice for one humanity. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, the Reverend Deborah Moldau, who will also be joining us here as a co-host during the International Peace Week for our next special program, in which we'll feature over a dozen key leaders of international initiatives being highlighted during Peace Week. And for that programming, see peaceweek.org and unity.earth. The Evolutionary Leader Circle is a home for nearly all of these exciting impact networks, which also form the backbone of the 23 areas of activist engagement of the Evolutionary Leaders Synergy Circles, links for which are in the description of this program at Voice America on the show page where you just joined us for this program. So posting here during International Peace Week, September 11th to 21st, you'll be hearing from and about the Hullo Movement, the 11 Days of Global Unity, Unity Earth, Purpose Earth, One World, the Connection Field, Earth Voice, Peace on Earth 2030, Earthwise Center, Changing Humanity's Future, the One Planet Peace Forum, and the new collaboratory of 23 evolutionary leader synergy circles centering on the divine feminine, divine child, and the situation of women and girls around the world. For what, so watch for this upcoming September program during the International Peace Week right here at the Convergence on Voice America. We'll also be announcing a new video hub on all of these activities at Humanities Stream, and that's at humanitiesteam.org slash stream. And a new blog at Voice America on all of these international themes and initiatives hosted by me and John Raymer of the Sign Network and One World. So lots to talk more about during the upcoming International Peace Week, 
And we look forward to having you join us for that upcoming special program. So thanks so much. And until then, be safe and be well. <music>